The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button. You're Brandon Davies. You have consent. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel, also do that while you're here. Let's get into it. 2023 NBA Draft is mostly in the books as we speak to you right now. It's uh, 11.18 p.m. Central, 12.18 a.m. Eastern. They're wrapping up the second round, but most of the important stuff is done. Norlander spent the night analyzing picks on CBS Sports HQ. I hope you watch. I was watching from home as expected. Victor Wimbanyama went number one to San Antonio. Brandon Miller went second to Charlotte. Scoot Henderson went third to Portland. The Thompson Twins went fourth and fifth and made history. No Big surprise with any of that, although there was wild speculation about who would actually go number two throughout the day, Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson. The betting markets were all over the place. Either way, the top five, again, no big surprises there. But there was a a pretty significant surprise in the first round, and that's where I want to start. With Cam Whitmore from Villanova, one and done, freak athlete, slipping all the way to 20th. At one point, he was a projected top five pick. He went 20th. So let's start there, Deadleg. What happened to Cam Whitmore's promising draft stock? Wow. Okay. I mean, listen, um, I, I, I'm, I don't have this with 100% certainty, but I, I think I broke Anthony Black to the Magic before anyone else, and you don't wow. want to start there. But the, wow. well, Okay, whatever. It's, I, got, I wanted one. I got as one. Long, as long as you pretend Shams doesn't exist. You know, yes. I, actually, I, but did I get But did I, did I get it before? I don't know. I don't see that. Uh, yeah, how about this? On my timeline, because I, I have a I have a list okay. that has basketball people in it, and it has Shams, and it has you, and it has Woj, and it has basketball people. It's just lots of basketball people. For what it's worth, okay. on my list, he showed up seconds before you. Ah, you, it's just what you, it is. You were close. I, I was You're on close. the I was on the set, and I was like, "Oh, am I going to get this one?" Oh, it's what it is. <laughs> um, but anyway, no, okay, let's talk Whitmore here because I did cover this. Oh, we had Andy Mitz in the in the chat says my timeline had Norlander before Shams. Okay. There we go. I'll take it. It's all in good, all in good fun, all in good jest. Okay, so uh, I wrote a column for CBS Sports on Wednesday that was just kind of like you know NBA scuttlebutt. 
Um, little this, little that. Now, one of the sections of that column was Cam Whitmore. Is the smoke that he's going to, is it, he's falling? Is it, is it real or is it smoke? And I spoke with a number of NBA people, executives and scouts about this. And to a person, all of them believe that it was actually real, that he was going to fall. But they believe that a fall constituted Whitmore being in the four, five, six range to being in the seven, eight, nine range. I did have one person tell me they thought potentially falling to 10 with Dallas either trading in that spot or not. It turns out it's double that. Now, the crazy thing about this is that Houston, which at one point was considered in play to draft Whitmore, winds up getting him at 20. As I said on HQ on Thursday night, we rarely see this at the NBA draft level. Now, in the NFL, we just had a situation where Will Levis out of Kentucky, there was you know buzz that he might go second or third. He has to wait an entire another day because the day two of the, of the draft, the second round, happens a day later. So you get that every so often. Aaron Rodgers drops. We usually don't see a guy that is in that range drop that much. Yes, a drop by three spots, five spots, even occasionally a Michael Porter Jr. drops, you know, six or seven spots. I was there that night. I interviewed Michael Porter Jr. and, uh, and he handled it well. And now look at him. He's an NBA champion. So why did it happen? What was the reasons behind this? Well, about a little less than a week ago, I just started to get, I started to you know, make a few calls and texts, just, just trying to keep up here and there, knowing that I was going to write uh, the piece that I wrote on Wednesday. And the noise around Whitmore was growing over speculation he would be taken high because although he had a good pro day, basically since his pro day more than a month ago, the story went that he just did not have a good string of workouts. He didn't uh, occasionally didn't interview well. The workouts were inconsistent, um, and it had become something that was obviously spreading. On top of all of that, uh, I was told there was real concerns with his medical. Now, I, do I think those are the the reasons that he dropped to twenty? I actually think that. Some teams probably saw him there at 14, 15, 16, and maybe they abided by their big board and they did great. I, I would not be surprised if there was a team or two that in that that in their room when they're making that decision, they're like, well, are we going to be the team that traps this guy now? And it reached a point where Houston, first of all, like it, it had to be done. But all of that on top of, you know, I'm not going to say him coming out of Villanova, he didn't have um, good things being said about him. He absolutely did, but – and to repeat myself from one more thing I provided uh, analysis-wise, um, and, and Finkelstein backed me up on this on the show tonight, the Cam Whitmore scouting report coming out of Villanova did not line up and match with all of the other Villanova players that came out you know, in, in recent years under Jay Wright. Now, Whitmore's a different kind of player. He was the biggest player of the year, scored you know, the third most points for a freshman at Villanova in the past 30 seasons. So he had a good season, but a confluence of factors led to what I believe was the biggest storyline outside of the top five in the draft on Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, reputable NBA reporters throughout the draft, as he was slipping, um, did vaguely mention that there's a problem in the medicals that's just scaring people off. Um, I, I've seen nobody be specific with it, but it seems to be tied with with sure poor workouts can hurt you but poor workouts don't turn you into the 20th pick when some people had you going fifth. It should, 
that, that's Zero, not what hundred percent. Yes, that, that's not what poor workouts do. Um, there has got to be typically when you see something like this, it is tied to medicals. I, I will say that in the past two weeks, because you got this string of reports where like he had this amazing workout in California, blew every all thirty franchises there, and he just absolutely yeah. pro day. Yeah, 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 he yeah. just killed it. And subsequent to that, I had heard some not so great things. Uh, I'll be just as vague as everybody else is about everything else about about the interview process. Like he just wasn't great in the interviews, and there were some more things that were said that were pretty direct and frankly disrespectful. I won't repeat them, but like mm-hmm. the criticisms were harsh, um, and, and they had really nothing to do with basketball. But the criticisms were harsh. So I thought, okay, maybe this guy's not going to go five. He'll go 10 instead. But it never occurred to me that 20 was in play. And I'm with you. At some point, you just you pull the trigger on it. And you're like, you know what? We'll figure it out. Uh, but you can't pass on this type of talent with the 20th pick. Remember what Denver did with Michael Porter Jr.? It, like, that was a medical uh, thing, back problems. And at some point, they just said, I can't remember where Michael got picked. It was somewhere in the teens. If I, I want to say 13. Yeah, it was I somewhere think, in that range. Yeah. And basically, the explanation was, hey, I don't, you know, w- we are picking between uh, an immensely talented young man who might have some medical issues and some guys who we're not even sure going to make it or not. So, like, let, let's just take the, the talent and hope for the best. And I think. Broadly speaking, you look up back on that and you say, hey, Denver did well um, by drafting Michael Porter Jr. Yes, he has been injured, but he has also helped them win a championship. So that worked out well. And I, I think with Cam, you've got to do the same thing at some point, particularly when you're a Houston franchise that's got a bunch of picks, got a bunch of pieces. You're still rebuilding anyway. You can afford to take the swing. But that, to me, was the storyline of the first round. This guy who... Very recently, some thought could maybe, maybe, maybe even get picked in front of a Thompson twin slips all the way to to 20. And if you watched him, I know you were on set all night. I had you guys on one screen. I had the ESPN broadcast on another screen. Um, It just it gets real uncomfortable. You know, when you wake up thinking that you really might be a top five pick and that's the other thing about sitting at those tables in that green room is like you start to look around and the tables are empty. Like yeah. the bar is clearing out and you're the only one there and it's last call, buddy. And that, that can get, I'm always empathetic towards young people in that situation because um, just like Victor Wimbanyama said, and I thought, my God, any interview with him is blowing <laughs> me away. Like he's just fantastic, yeah. just fantastic. But like, he started crying after he was selected, even though he knew he was going to be selected number one. He's the arguably the only guy the whole night who knew exactly where he was going, other than Chris Livingston, who <laughs> apparently has he been has he been I, drafted? I, by the way, at the time we had started, he had not been picked. Um, but did you see the report from Shams? It was like at some point Rich Paul started calling teams with picks and saying don't draft him because we've got a spot for him. I'm like, I'm like, I, can you do that? I mean, I, sure, you can make the phone call. That's not how this works. I'm pretty sure. But unless you really, you're Eli Manning or John Elway, yeah. Like, do you really just respect Rick Paul's second round wishes? Like, hey, we were okay, Rich. We were gonna take Chris Livingston at 39, but you, if you say so, we'll just let him slide by. Just a weird. 
thing, but I guess nothing's weird when it comes to the NBA draft and clutch and, uh, you know, all of that. Yeah. Anyway, um, Victor was probably the only person outside of maybe Brandon Miller who knew exactly where in Scoot, I guess, who knew exactly where he was going. Um, and yet even he got emotional at when it happened. And the reason is because you dream about this night your entire life if you're a basketball player. Like, I'm going to walk on that stage and I'm going to shake the commissioner's hand. And my point is Cam Whitmore has been dreaming about that his entire life, I'm assuming, at least large portions of his life. And he woke up one morning. If it wasn't this morning, maybe by this morning he knew this could get uncomfortable. But he woke up recently one morning thinking he was a top five pick. And to then have to sit there and watch all these other people clear out the room just really, really tough. I was relieved for him when he finally got selected. I'll be recruit, uh, rooting for him to, to do well in Houston. You bring up the Will Levis thing, and then I'll shut up. Um, I, I, the point is accurate in the sense that there's a guy who thought he might go really high, and buddy, he had to even cut, you know, like he, had, he sat there all night. The television show went off. He still didn't get picked. He had to wait till the next day. Yeah. The difference, I think, between the NFL draft and the NBA draft is that the NFL draft is very rarely, and you're a football fan more than I am at that level but it's rarely or at least not as normal for you to just take best prospect available like in the NFL draft if if you're not there might be 24 franchises that will not even consider taking a quarterback in the first round because they already got a quarterback and they're not spending a first round pick on that they need a defensive back or an offensive lineman or whatever so when you're Will Levis because I remember watching the draft that night you kind of know on some level like, if I don't go here, here, or here, I'm screwed. Because these these next seven ain't looking – they're not even looking at me. They don't care. And if then if I don't go here, it's over. I'm in the second round. So there's only – when you're a quarterback, there's only so many places that will even consider taking you in the first round. And if they don't, then you're, you're going to end up in the second round, which is exactly what happened. When you're a basketball player, every franchise has a moment in the first round where they'll just say – the talent's too good. We can't pass on this guy. And that's what makes it different with Cam Whitmore. 19 different times tonight, a franchise that I promise you two months ago thought, oh, boy, if we could get him, woo, we take him. And they just passed, and he ends up going 20th. It was an interesting thing, and I imagine we'll find out in the coming hours, days, um, that you know exactly what this was. But I'd be shocked if it's anything other than some, some medical issue. Because even – just to you know, touch on this point, bad workouts aren't going to cost you this much. Um, even like, you know, he's got a, you know, he smokes weed a little bit. And I'm not suggesting that about Kim Whitmore, but I'm saying even that is not going to drop you this like from five to 20. It's got to be where franchises have looked at something and said that that it's either a problem now or it will be a problem at some point. And dead leg is frozen. I think you're frozen, dead leg. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, if you still have <laughs> uh, my Wi-Fi, yeah, yeah, my Wi-Fi is uh, is is a little sketchy right now. So I think you still have me here. I'll just I'll hop in real quick on this, uh, and then we can take the break and go to the next segment. Hopefully, I'll come back after the break. <laughs> um, Cam Whitmore was the only player whose slide not not only was significant, but came at a, a level of great surprise. The only other two players, in my opinion, who slid and the momentum was was heading that way, heading into draft night, uh, were Bryce 
Sensabaugh, who at one point was considered, you know, a practical choice to go in the top 20. He also had concerns with his medical. He had a knee issue at the end of the season. Um, so that caused him to jump uh, to drop down. But he did go in the first round. And then Andre Jackson Jr., who I do think will be a top 20 player in this draft. I think he is a, even though the shot is, you know, it's not there. And I don't know if it's ever going to be there, but I think he will be productive for a long time. It wasn't a surprise to see him go into the second round, but for a little bit there, he had some good first round buzz. He wound up slipping, but those two guys got drastically overshadowed by what happened with Cam Whitmore, who weirdly enough takes the long way home and winds up going to a franchise who, if you said, I mean, if you said two weeks ago that Houston was going to walk away from this draft with Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore, I mean, those could be the two, they could wind up being the two most athletic players out of this entire class. Now, we'll see, Houston's got a weird roster construction. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. That's a whole other different deal altogether. But that was a, a very compelling storyline at draft night. And so here we are. Um, let's wrap up. Uh, let's 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 take a tour around the rest of uh, what went down there on Thursday, JP. Well, I, I would just say because uh, it sort of fits under this umbrella of of guys who were you know five star prospects who really slipped in this draft. Um, I don't think Imani Bates slipped as much as we knew he was a second round pick at best and might not even get picked at all. He did ultimately get picked, but this is a guy who at one point was considered the number one player in the world in his age group, and he went 49th in the 2023 NBA draft. And Gigi Jackson, who was at one point the number one prospect in the class of 2023, so if nobody ever reclassifies, is Amani Bates and Gigi Jackson maybe the number one and number two prospects in their class, and they go 49th? And forty fifth in in this in this actual draft, which I don't guess is too far off from where they thought they would go a week ago, um, but it is way off from where I bet they thought they would go two years ago, maybe even as recently as a year and a half ago. And with Amani, that goes without saying. We don't need to spend any time on that. We've just this is what was expected for him, given the way his time at Memphis went and his time at Eastern Michigan went, and the off the court issues. When the season was over, Gigi Jackson was widely regarded as a first-round prospect. Maybe in the teens, possibly in the 20s, but a first-round prospect. And he ends up going 45th, and we don't have to get too much into it, but I don't know what you heard, but um, when I was asking people yeah. about prospects who might slip because of uh, you know, it, bad interviews, bad workouts, just uh, bad vetting process – um, a name I heard consistently was Gigi Jackson. And um, I, I don't like saying that because I don't know if you saw who drafted him, um, but it is the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> um, but I had heard not not the reviews were not great on him. I didn't know that I thought he'd slip to 45, but I did. I was pretty confident he was slipping in the second round. And that's a pretty dramatic fall for a guy who thought he was probably going in the 20s at worst when he formally entered the 2023 NBA draft. Agreed. Well, let's uh, let's take a tour around uh, the guys that went outside the lottery, GP, and see uh, who we like most and, and maybe not. All right. Uh, which player selected outside of the lottery is going to exceed all expectations? Which player who went inside the lottery 
will not live up to expectations. Will Norlander get his Wi-Fi fixed while we're getting a message from our partners? <laughs> I don't know. Let's find out together. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, dead leg. Let's make some predictions that I'm sure will come back and bite us. Let's start with this one. Which player selected outside of the lottery tonight is going to exceed all expectations? Yeah, if you thought I was limiting this to one player, you are sadly mistaken. Um, all right. I will say, well, expectations are all relative here. Um, I'll say Andre Jackson Jr. is my second round pick who I like the most to exceed expectations. I think he turns into a top 20 NBA player from this year's draft class. He is my most... Yeah, he's who I pick most. I will say this, in talking to some NBA folks in the lead-up to this, the player who received the most votes for this kind of question, like which second-rounder do you actually think has the most value to, you know, we look up and he's a top 25 guy. Seth Lundy out of Penn State, he went 46, so that's from the NBA side. So Andre Jackson Jr. And then outside of the lottery, Jaime Jaquez Jr., I could not love to pick more. This feels universal, wonderful cultural fit. Uh, Miami was was. Highly connected uh, to Hawkes heading into the draft. He fell there. They loved him. Uh, I think I think that he's got a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful chance. And then I'll give you one more, and it feels like a layup, but Nick Smith Jr. at one point was the number one player in the 2022 class, and he goes from that all the way down to 27. Uh, but how about this? He's going to Charlotte. And you know what that means? He's playing with Brandon Miller. And do you know what that means? That means he's playing with the guy that he played grassroots basketball with. So those two get to get reunited. Um, I do like Nick Smith Jr.'s potential to well outplay his draft spot. I think that was a very great value pick by the Hornets. I agree. At the bottom of the first round, like I don't, yeah, I mean, why not take a big swing on a guy who, like you said, was literally ranked number one in his high school class? It does feel a little bit like, a little bit like, but, you know, this was at the bottom of the first round, not in the top 10. The Grizzlies a couple of years ago used a top 10 pick on Zaire Williams, even though he was terrible at Stanford, terrible. And they basically, the explanation was, we're looking for a wing with size who can shoot. We wanted Josh Giddy. We wanted Franz Wagner. They both got taken, so next on our list was Zaire Williams, and we are not even going to pay attention to anything he did at Stanford. We're just going to chalk it up to a weird COVID year. Didn't go well. We're focused on the high school tape. The high school tape is encouraging. Jury's still out on whether that's going to work or not. Right now, I would personally bet against it. The second year was not encouraging. He uh, went backwards instead of forwards. But that was the idea there, and it seems like at some point in this draft – 
if you're Charlotte, you go, hey, the guy who was ranked number one in the entire country a year ago is available. And yeah, he was not good at Arkansas, but it's almost certainly injury related. And then, you know, he's trying to fit in after missing so much time. It's complicated. But if we could just forget about all that and focus on here's a combo guard with good positional size who was ranked number one in his class and he's available down here. Um, let, let's we've already got Brandon Miller. Let's take a swing. They did it. And, uh, you know, they also in the second round got Amari Bailey. So Charlotte just added three top 15 recruits from the class of 2022. Nick Smith was number one. This is according to 24-7 Sports. Amari Bailey was number 10. And Brandon Miller was actually the lowest ranked of all of them at number 14. So that's three top 15 prospects, class of 22. Uh, Charlotte, I thought, had a had an encouraging night. As for me, uh, players outside of the lottery that I think are going to live up to expectations, um, Jalen hood Shafina. I mean, I discovered him. The Team Thad Gym. You know, two summers ago. And um, I, I, anybody listening to this podcast knows I've always been a believer. He ends up going 17th to the Lakers. Uh, I, I believe you'll look up and he'll be, he'll be playing meaningful minutes in the playoffs next season. And that's not something all rookies do. Even rookies drafted in the top 20. But I'm a believer in Jalen hood Um I, I thought he was a top 10 prospect in this class. I know I'm in the minority. I recognize that. But I'm a believer in him. He's combo guard, got good positional size. Um, he is uh, good in pick and rolls. He's not a great athlete. He's not a proven shooter, but I think he'll shoot it well enough. Um, I, I, I liked what the Lakers did there. Let's go to the other side of it. Which player who went in the lottery will not live up to expectations? So there will be multiple players that this is the case with. Uh, so just brace yourself now. Um, give you a couple names before I give you the one that I think is above all. Um, Bilal Koulibaly is interesting. Uh, he could live up to it. He could exceed it. Uh, his stock was the biggest riser in the entire draft. Uh, heading in, the folks I talked to thought his ceiling was nine to Utah, and even that was going to be a big swing. No, no. He winds up going seven, seven. Um, so boomer bust potential there. Uh, I do like Jet Howard long term. I did not like where he was selected in the context of the draft as it played out. Um, I w- would have taken at least another four or five players before I consider Jet Howard. Uh, I do wonder um, if he is set up to succeed in Orlando. I love the Anthony Black pick. We'll see on that. And uh, and I think the other one in the lottery. Um, Amen and Osar Thompson, they're from overtime elite and that level of competition doesn't even compare to G league unite international play college hoops. Uh, you know, there will be something of a, of a, of a, you know, an, an arbitration ruling on OTE overall, when it got two players drafted in the top five, that's a huge advertisement for the validity of that league, but we got to see how they play at the next level. My answer to your question, GP is Taylor Hendricks, who went nine to Utah. I actually didn't love Utah's first round. They were my loser on HQ. Hendricks at nine, I'll focus on him, but they also took Keontae George at Baylor uh, at 16, and then they went with Sensabaugh at 28. Uh, I'm not convinced that that franchise significantly upgraded its situation with those three picks. I think you can find drawbacks to all of them. Um, Hendricks is someone that has a high ceiling, uh, but also a low floor. I'm not all the way in on him. I didn't grade him 
as a top 15 prospect in the, that draft. So among lottery picks, he would be my most likely projection to not live up to expectations. Um, though I do wonder also with Jarris Walker, he's not that far behind. What about you? Well, um, first on uh, Judd Howard, um, I also discovered him. I don't, I don't know if I've ever talked about it, but I actually told Jawan Howard about Jet. Like, hey, there's a six eight shooter you need to take a look at, and you know, I don't know where it went from there, but he did end up playing at Michigan. I, you can go back a year, literally a year, <laughs> a year. When I know, I know, but I got to say it one more time after he just went eleventh in the draft. How about this? Hold on. Before you say this, Adi, our, our director of editorial at .com, Adi Joseph, he happened to be in the studio tonight. And when this happened, he called this moment happening on the podcast. He said, Gary Parrish is going to bring up that he called it years ago. Jet Howard would be a lottery pick. Take your victory lap, buddy. He was ranked in the outside of the 40s in his high school class. Nobody even had him as a first-round pick. I had to do a projected lottery for the 2023 NBA draft in June of 2022 on the night of the 22 draft, and I put Jed Howard in the lottery. People called me foolish. People questioned my sanity. But now look, there are two guys that I was heavy on way before anybody else. Jed Howard, Jalen Hutchifino. And they both went in the top 20. I feel like a Uso right now. Gigi Jackson, too. I feel like a Uso right now. Got my one up. I never said that about Gigi Jackson. I never said anything about Gigi Jackson. Put your ones up. We the ones. Me and Jed Howard and Jalen Hood Shafino. By the way, Orlando, I don't know. Like, and we should say this. You ready for this? As I'm celebrating, All right. I have no idea, okay? I thought Franz Wagner was a fraud. He's awesome, okay? <laughs> um, I thought Marvin Bagley would be incredible. He stinks. <laughs> when you start speaking in absolutes about these guys, you're going to end up looking stupid. I remember Phoenix took Cam Johnson with the top 10 pick. What are they doing? How stupid? Even I was like, why? You get Cam Johnson at 20. Why are you taking him at 10? Looks like a good pick with the benefit of hindsight. So who knows? But if Orlando can hit on these, if Anthony Black is everything you think he is and Jed Howard is everything I think he is, and then you got a big point guard, a big two, and, and then Paulo and Franz Wagner, I mean, that's starting to look like one of the best young cores in the world if these guys hit. You need Anthony Black and Jed Howard to hit, but if they do, and Orlando, by the way, has been they, they draft in a lottery my yeah. entire life and they they, they they never they rarely hit but they have hit on two recently in Paolo and Franz and if they can hit on these two I mean dude I mean they're just big all the way around all the way around all right so who are you gonna crap on right now who's your lottery oh. pick that's gonna suck you know what uh, okay so I don't have any idea but I'll, I'll say a name and then I'll tell you why this is the person I point to. It's, you've already mentioned him, Bilal Koulibaly. Um, he played with uh, Victor Wimbanyama in France and, like, by all accounts, had an incredible postseason. But you know what this feels like to me? A little bit apples to oranges. I get it. But you know when, like, a guy's like a borderline first-round pick and then he has an awesome NCAA tournament? 
And then it's like, oh, well, now he's a top 10 pick. And you ignore the body of work and you focus on these three weeks and you go, oh, that guy's a top 10 pick now. And then you make a mistake. There was somebody at Syracuse a few years ago that this happened to. He had an awesome tournament. I can't. The name escapes me right now. Somebody, I'll put it in the chat. I'm sure. Awesome turn. Johnson. Wesley no. Johnson went high, right? No, it was different than that. Yeah. Uh, but somebody, somebody will put it in the chat. Syracuse player, awesome tournament, goes really high, and I don't think it. I don't think it worked out. So this feels like that to me. Like nobody had Kulabali in the lottery a month ago. Nobody. Like I look at these things. Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> And then he played well over a several week span, and now he's the seventh pick in the draft. He might Crazy. he we might look up and go, you know what? He should have been the third pick in the draft. We you know, I don't know. But that that is that is the only reason I mention him as an answer to this question is because nobody thought about him this way at all. Nobody, as far as I know. And then he played well in the postseason and there's really not much else to point to. Somebody's saying Carmelo Anthony. No, it was not, <laughs> no, it was not Carmelo Anthony. It was, a, it was a guard with size. It was a guard with size. It was a good, good size guard. Tyler Ennis. No, no, I don't think it was Tyler Ennis. Somebody say the name. I don't want to look it up. I want somebody to just tell me. Um, I would look it up, but I'm terrified that my Wi-Fi will drop out entirely if I, if I do that. Um, but that's, that's what this feels like to me. Like, like you, like you, you didn't think of him this way. And then you watched him play for three weeks and you, you fell in love because he played well for three weeks. And now you just took him with the seventh pick in the draft. Again, he might live up to those expectations, but I, uh, I, I'm Johnny always, Flynn? Johnny no, Flynn. no, it was not Johnny Flynn who was drafted before Steph Curry. Um, it's more yeah. recently than Johnny Flynn. I, now I'm gonna maybe have to- it's not maybe it's not Syracuse. I don't know. Yeah, it's possible. I'm just making all of this up. I think know? that is entirely possible. Um, let's hit a few other storylines here before we before we get out of here. Let's let's first talk Scoot versus Brandon Miller. That was a roller coaster ride. It was going to be Brandon, then it was Scoot, and then it winds up being Brandon Miller. I I think Scoot is going to be the better NBA player. Um. What about you? Like, how about this? I'm going to give you a few options. You tell me what you think is the most likely. Mm-hmm. Option A, Brandon Miller and Scoot are both busts. Option B, Brandon Miller and Scoot both hit. And we are going to define hit as both make multiple all-star games. Okay? A is both busts. B is both hit. Option C, it goes the way the draft order. Miller hits. Scoot is a bust. Or option D, Scoot hits. Miller is the bust. Which of those four options would you choose? I believe in both of them. I think both of them will at least be a one-time all-star. I believe in both of them. But I will say, I always thought Brandon was a better fit with LaMelo. But, and I think you're reporting back this up. Um, I saw, like, you you talked to 10 people in the NBA. Seven of them said they'd take Scoot over Brandon. Mm -hmm. I think that's the majority opinion. I think most people think... Scoot's ceiling is higher, but Brandon is better with LaMelo. And Brandon has, like, there's just no scenario where Brandon Miller is not a useful NBA player, other than injuries, of course, and off-the-court issues, if those were ever to arise. Uh, Well, the list is starting to pile up at this point. (laughs) Okay, Okay. yeah. And I should say, rather than make a joke about that, 
Um, most of the intel that came back through the vetting process was that he's a young man who made a terrible decision that led to a tragic, that played a role in a tragedy. But most people don't think he's a bad guy. You know, it, like, I don't know him. I've never met him. But most people don't think he's a bad guy. And I will say it's only it's only on the stage interview with Monica McNutt. But man, his parents seemed awesome. And he seemed great. And, you know, I, I, I can understand if you're Charlotte, how you can get past that. Um, the, the, the intel coming back seemed to be terrible decision, but not a bad guy. Just somebody who made a bad decision. So I I, I struggle with it. Every time I wrote about this, I said, um, I don't I usually just say take at number two, just take the best player available, regardless of fit, regardless of positional need. Um, but I sort of lean towards take Brandon Miller here because I do think you've already got your franchise point guard. And I know Scoot and LaMelo can play together because great players can play together, but it's not perfect. And both of them probably need the ball in their hands unless you want to put LaMelo on the wing and let him be a catch and shoot guy, which he can do, but he's more gifted than that. He's an all-star level point guard. So I think I would have taken I think I would have taken Brandon Miller because again, just tell me he stays healthy and stays out of trouble. He's a six eight six nine athletic shooter. Forget about it. Have you like I I work for a franchise that's been trying to get one of those guys the trade market like since the trade deadline. They're not available unless you're willing to put four first round draft picks on the table. Like you cannot go. Get I love. The- hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. First of all, Wi Fi is still there. Still a little choppy. Can I just? And you do work for the franchise, but c- c- the way that my my guy just laid that out uh, was like he was in the war room tonight. Oh no no like, no 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 no! Trying to get, I've been trying to get for six months, and and I just can't make that happen. Oh no no no! <laughs> Let me be clear. I don't even the talk franchise to I work for. No, I don't even talk to those people. Okay, let me be clear. I don't even talk to them. All right, trust me. If I would have talked to them. They would not have taken who they took at 45 tonight, okay? So they don't – not only am I not involved in these conversations, they don't care what I think, and that's probably smart. Did I tell you how down I was on Franz Wagner? Um, but uh, th- my point is this. Athletic wings with size, Mikhail Bridges, Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, OG Ananobi, they're not available. You can't get these guys. And Brandon Miller is one of those guys at worst. At best, he's a – perennial all-star so i i get why charlotte did what it did but it is interesting because most people do think that scoot's got the higher ceiling and then obviously the interesting thing in portland is damian lillard has all but told them trade the pick or else and they decided they're going to execute the pick they took scoot henderson and so that the the next thing is probably going to be i would assume a Damian Lillard trade of some sort. Back to my thing about uh, Kulabali and how it's a little similar to a player getting hot in the NCAA tournament and everybody falls in love, and he goes way higher than he otherwise would have went. The Syracuse player I was thinking of, it's in the chat, Malachi Richards. Ah, there we go. Good, yeah, that's a, there we go. Yes, 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 yes. See, we knew it was out there. You weren't making, you weren't making stuff up there. Um, I will answer the question I posed to you. I would go D, I would lean D, but I will give a little more context. I think Scoot hits. I think Scoot is a star. I think he makes multiple All-NBA teams. I think Brandon Miller has flashes, but ultimately Brandon Miller doesn't prove out to be one of the four or five best players, <clears throat> excuse me, from this draft. Let's take a quick tour around here. We don't have to go too late. 
into the night. This is not, you know, Selection Sunday recap. Let's go nuts here. Um, let's take a quick tour into the night of uh, of who got drafted and and who didn't first. And we'll kind of obviously keep a slant to the college player end of it. Um, I'll just tour on around on some quick thoughts. Um, love Black to, Arc, uh, to, to Orlando at six. I think there's a real chance that that works. Uh, Derek Lively. Going to Dallas, I think, is a tremendous pick by the Mavericks. I'm way in on Lively's uh, future. Uh, we'll pause it right here. Grady Dick's outfit. Can Ooh. we get a can we get a uh, a letter grade from GP? This is your this is your chance right here. Do not offer up an A minus on this unless you really believe it. I guess that was an F. That he will not look back on that. Finally, I I get it. Um, you know, Dorothy in Kansas. Um, the slippers turned into a suit. I get it, but buddy, you don't look like the rest of them up there. It, it, I, my favorite suit, I think, Jaime Jaquez just kept it simple. Nice suit, fit well, nice shirt underneath, no tie, nothing unusual. Like if Jaime Jaquez walked into the steakhouse tonight, he would look awesome and per- love Jaime Jaquez. Love him independent of everything else but love him even more based on his attire tonight. And there's never been, I don't want to say there's never been, but my God, if we were trying to match franchise with guy who fits perfectly with franchise, that might be the one for tonight. Hami Haquez in Miami yeah. is just absolutely perfect. Feels amazing. By the way, the chat's still going decently at this hour. We appreciate you. If there is a player or two from college who did not get drafted, who believe should have been drafted, drop it in the chat and we'll uh, read a few of those names off in just a couple minutes elsewhere in the first round um just you know whether i like it or interesting storyline uh brandon pajemski out of santa clara he was the second biggest riser to Kulabali. he goes 19 to golden state don't know if he's going to stick there or not kyle boone wrote a wonderful feature on him this week that you should uh that you should certainly read but that was uh, a big time uh for the second straight season herb sendek has a has a bronco who just Killed it in the pre-draft process and at the combine, and it paid off in a major way. Jalen Williams a year ago, Pachemski winds up going top twenty. Brooklyn kept both of its picks. Noah Clowney, I have no idea. I do love the Whitehead pick at twenty-two for Brooklyn. I think he proves to be a top fifteen player in this draft. I thought, uh, I thought Portland. Listen, Portland gets Scoot, and then you get Chris Murray, who I think just projects as a safe supplementary piece on a roster. I really, really liked that pick overall. I thought that was good. And then um, and just in terms of the first round, three more. Um, Kobe Brown, good for you. Worked your ass off, and you got to be a first-round pick. That's awesome. He goes 30. Julian Strother to Denver. I, I mean, Denver doesn't need any more help at this point, although it probably is going to lose Bruce Brown, uh, according to you know the tea leaves and some of the reporting. Um, Strother was one first-round pick that I was kind of scratching my head over. And then a good note here. Marcus Sasser was like the 399th ranked player coming out of high school in his class and undersized, but competitive as hell always gave all effort on defense. Just did not take moments in games off, let alone games off. And this dude played himself into being a top 25 pick. It's freaking awesome, man. Like, Jairus Walker was always going to be the higher drafted choice. We get that. But Marcus Sasser had a second grade on him for a lot of teams and a lot of projections. Nah, he goes top 25. That's an awesome personal story. It's an awesome NBA draft story. It's an awesome college basketball story. To see a guy like that at his size, who's almost certainly probably not going to be a full-time starting point guard in the NBA, 
but he will make it. He has got a chance. He can be, uh, you know, he can be like uh, Javon Carter out of West Virginia. He can be a guy that will earn a paycheck for years and years to come. That was a really cool thing. For you, anything else in the first round, uh, storylines, picks, otherwise that stands out, GP? No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Sasser went in the first round. I always had him projected that way. I know his limitations, like he's small and he's not really a point guard, um, but I, I just think guys like him can play. And I, I think he'll he'll find a home in the NBA. He'll he'll be in that league for a little while. Um, Strother is somebody that I did not have as a projected first rounder, but I almost put him there. I almost got him there. Like I just sort of guys with size who can shoot matter now more than ever. Like if you got decent positional size and you can shoot, like there's a job for you. And he he sort of checked that box. He has other limitations, but you know, not to keep circling this back to the Grizzlies, but that's the thing I'm most familiar with. Like it was dev- devastating is a little dramatic, but it was um, difficult for them when Luke Kennard got injured in their playoff series against the Lakers because they just needed shooting on the court. Like Luke Kennard was a guy who like would struggle to get minutes in the regular season with the Clippers and, and then, you know, on some level with the Grizzlies. But when you get in the playoffs – they stop guarding non-shooters and shooting is so important. And Strother at the very least was somebody with size who can shoot. So I, um, I'm not surprised he went in the first round. I didn't have him there, but like, he's a guy that I strongly considered, uh, putting there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I, I think, broadly speaking, for the rest of the dram, given that this is a college basketball podcast, we should point out that two of the most accomplished college basketball players we've had in recent years yeah. both went unselected. Oscar Shibwe, your 2023 national, 2022 National Player of the Year, um, did not get picked. Drew Timmy, a multi-year All-American at Gonzaga, did not get picked. They both had eligibility remaining. They could be back in college at at Kentucky, Gonzaga, or I assume anywhere they wanted to play. And they decided to go down this path, and I don't judge them. It's what they wanted to do. I'm confident both of them are smart enough to know what happened tonight was a possible scenario, if not the likely scenario. And they still decided to go through it. Fine with me. I'm not their parent. But... um, you know, they're, 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 what happened did happen. What a lot of people predicted would happen did happen. Okay, you're leaving eligibility on the table to go enter the NBA draft. But the problem is the NBA draft might not want you. Here we are. 
Yeah, and I will circle back and put a bow on this conversation in just a second because there's another player that you can add on top of that uh, conversation as well. Second round, I just want to point out, Penn State basketball. Now, Micah Shrewsbury has moved on to Notre Dame. Penn State got two players picked, Pickett and Lundy. Good for them. Really cool. Uh, Julian Phillips could be a guy that goes in the second round that we look up and he's a top 20 NBA player from this draft. Keep that in mind. Andre Jackson. Similarly, those guys went back to back 35 and 36. Arkansas, as expected, had three players drafted. Uh, Jordan Walsh went, who did not get drafted? Ricky Council the fourth. I'll get to some notable names not drafted, but that was something of a surprise there. I did um, see Ricky Council has already agreed to a two-way deal with Philadelphia. Yeah. Oh yeah, and that's going to be up through the night. That's going to be uh, there's going to be a bunch of that stuff. Amani Bates goes forty nine. Gigi Jackson goes forty five. Jalen Wilson, another highly accomplished player, he hung around until fifty one. I believe his camp was optimistic that he might be able to squeak it into uh, the mid thirties. It didn't wind up happening. Jalen Clark, despite the injury and the belief that he might be eight to ten months away from playing, did wind up getting drafted. Love this stuff. Jalen Slauson out of Furman goes fifty four. That's really cool. Miami on the heels of making the Final Four. Isaiah Wong, who I love as a potential top 30 guy in this draft, he goes 55. Jordan Miller went seven spots before he went to the Clippers at 48. And then Trace Jackson Davis, uh, just as we were getting this podcast rolling, he tweeted out, I don't have it up in front of me, but it was something to the effect of so many of you are going to regret this because he was just lingering, lingering. He goes 57, the penultimate pick in this draft. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, another similar big of that mold that you just mentioned, GP. He does get selected. And then Chris Livingston went 58 <laughs> to the Bucks. So I don't know if that's where Clutch Sports wanted him to go. They've obviously got a, a very favorable situation in their conference right now. But those are just a couple of, uh, of notable second-round uh, picks. Here are some of your names of guys that did not get drafted. Notable college hoops names. You mentioned Timmy. You mentioned C- Shibway. The final four most outstanding player, Adama Sanogo, went yeah. undrafted. Terquavion Smith, who a year ago was considered arguably the best draft prospect that returned to college, went undrafted. Um, Shibwe, Timmy, Sanogo, uh, Azulis Tabellis, another big, went undrafted. Uh, Colin Castleton had hoped that he would get picked. He went undrafted. So a lot of notable names there. Adam Flagler out of Baylor. Did not hear his name called. Uh, I mentioned Ricky Council. And then uh, from the chat here, uh, we've got Council. Yeah, basically all the names that I that I mentioned. Uh, Tosa uh, Awoma from Princeton. He wasn't expected to be, to be picked there. But um, happens every year. There will be two-way signed. Guys who did not get drafted, we will see a few of them earn roster spots. Some of them may even get to a second contract in the NBA. The dream doesn't necessarily end here. But... In the immediacy of this moment, it is a good reminder. Now, sometimes the agents would rather have their guys go under, go give us 40. Um, this is, you know, right here, it, it is the wake up call. There were 58 spots instead of 60 this year, and your name was out there. No NBA franchise thought you worthy enough to be selected, and I am not surprised to see the likes of Shibwe and Timmy not get drafted. I actually thought Sonogo would. He did not, but those are some of the most notable names uh, on the college hoop side that didn't get picked, and so we'll see where they land and uh, see which franchises some years down the road uh, wound up making some mistakes. But this was a relative, you know, 
I don't think this draft was super deep anyway, GP. And so I don't find uh, too many egregious, personally, too many egregious non-picks. Council not getting picked is actually genuinely surprising to me, but I don't think anyone else on that list was. You mentioned Adama Sanogo, final foremost outstanding player, did not get picked. Another star of the NCAA tournament, Marquise Noel, Kansas State, did not get yeah. picked, but he has, I'm reading now, uh, agreed to a two-way contract with Toronto. So all of these guys will have a chance to play their way into the NBA. And for most of these guys we're talking about, I think Sonogo people thought would get picked, maybe. But most people didn't think Timmy would get picked. Most people did not think Shibway would get picked. Most people did not think Noel would get picked. I, I, I'm always reminded of a draft night several years ago. There was this picture that just started circulating, and I tweeted it just like, ah, oh, this is the saddest picture you'll ever see. Um, Christian Wood realizing he's not going to get picked. And he's in a suit, and he's at a party. Yeah. He got dressed up for the night. And the picture is him just sitting in a chair with his head in his hands. You know, he's just clearly, like, disappointed, upset. I don't want to get inside his head, but the picture is worth a thousand words, I think is the cliche. And every once in a while, somebody will re retweet that um, because, like, he's turned into a real NBA player. And so if I am Drew Timmy, Oscar Sheepway, or any of these guys, or somebody who cares about any of these guys, close to these guys, I would, um, I'd show them that picture, and then I'd show them what Christian Wood's contract situation looks like. And then um, I would remind them that the Miami Heat was using like five undrafted players in the NBA Finals this year. It's not over. It's not easy. You're going to have to play your way into the NBA. A lot of these guys tonight, got drafted on nothing but potential. And they'll be on NBA rosters because people think they can be great, even if they haven't been great yet. These guys we're talking about have been great, but people don't think they can be great at the next level because of athleticism limitations, uh, uh, height limitations, whatever. Now you have to go prove to them that they were wrong and um, they'll have every opportunity uh, to do that. And I'll be rooting for him. I like nothing. I'd love to to see more than you know Drew Timmy and Oscar Shibway both making it in the NBA. They're great college, all time great college players. Um, you know, maybe we'll watch them in a G League series someday. I don't know, but they'll have a chance. They're just going to have to play their way. They're going to have to be so awesome in different at different levels of the sport that it just becomes undeniable. Well, we got to give this guy a chance because he is killing every other level of the sport that he's in. I think that's a podcast, my buddy. Great to be jabbing and uh, chatting with you again, even if my Wi-Fi situation was a little Indiana-esque. Your wind yeah, is a little Bloomington. Yeah, I knew you were in Stanford, but there were moments where I started thinking he might be in Bloomington. He could possibly be in Bloomington. I saw a lot of it in the chat, um, so I'll just say thank you um, very briefly. Um for your thoughts, I think most of you know uh, it's been a rough week for me. Pretty abruptly last Friday, um, I lost my father. Um, he his health had be been declining in recent months, but the end came very quickly and kind of out of nowhere. So much so that like, you know, I talked to him Thursday night. He sounded great. My kids FaceTime with him Friday morning. He was doing okay in the hospital, but doing okay, and then. You know, Friday afternoon, we got the phone call that uh, things had taken a bad turn. 
So um, that's why, if if anybody didn't know and has wondered why I haven't been on recent podcast, I have been dealing with that. We were able to have the service uh, yesterday, and I, I frankly don't know if it's appropriate for me to be working today. I, I I don't know. I don't know how this comes across. I'm conflicted by it, um, but I don't know what else to do. I'm not good at sitting around and doing nothing. I'm not good with idle time. Um, I, I remember you know, my wife and I, not to bring up one tragedy after another, we lost a baby back in 2016 and that was hard. And, um, I didn't know when it was appropriate to come back to work. Like, when can you, uh, when can you work again? When can you laugh again? When can you have a good time again? When can you goof around again? I I don't know. Um, but I'm just, I I sort of, you know, after a, a really weird day yesterday and the whole thing has been weird. Um, it's still weird. Honestly, if I'm telling the truth, like sitting around tonight, watching, those young guys hug their dads when they got drafted. That wasn't the easiest thing. Um, but the whole thing is weird. Um, but I didn't, I don't know what else to do other than just try to get back into a normal routine. So um, I appreciate all the, the nice thoughts and um, uh, that messages that everybody has sent over the past week. And we're doing okay. It is not uh, easy and it was not expected. Um, hard on my little guys. I mean, they like talk to him every day. And for them to talk to him on a Friday morning and then us to have to deliver that news Friday night. I don't wish that on anybody. That's a that's a hard conversation to have. But, um, you know, one of the things I've tried to remind my boys of, and I'll stop after this, I promise, is that, um, you know, I, I work in a profession where my career path has not been normal at all. I've never had to move, never had to move since college, always lived here. And I've been able to get incredible jobs Uh, without ever moving, which has allowed my kids to grow up with their grandparents because I'm from here. My wife's from here. And so they didn't get all the time in the world with them, but they got enough time where they'll remember him. Uh, They got to know him. And that's not true for, um, for all kids. Not all kids get to grow up with their grandparents. And so, yeah, it was cut short, but we, uh, there were some good years in there. And though Friday night was tough talking to the kids every day since then, it's been nothing but good memories and uh, smiles and laughs and jokes. They seem to be adjusting pretty well. They, they haven't acted sad as much as they remember, you know, my dad being goofy with them and stuff. So that's been that's been nice. So uh, thank you. That's what I was trying to say for um, all the messages you, you, you might have sent on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or to my email or to anywhere else you might send messages. And for all the stuff I saw in the chat, uh, especially early uh, tonight, I noticed it. And sometimes I don't, uh, I, I don't acknowledge anything that's going on there because sometimes it gets a little goofy. But I didn't want to, I didn't want to get out of here without saying thank you. Um, we love you, GP, I'm, and we're I'm, glad you were back on the show. A uh, big shout out to your dad, yeah, uh, yeah, to yeah, Big yeah, Gary. Yeah. And uh, I'm sorry I never got a chance to meet him, but I'm glad that you hopped on because you know what? There was a little bit of normalcy here. And uh, I wanted to mix in another episode with you. So thank you for that. Yeah. And uh, thanks, everybody, for the nice notes. They, they help. Um, they help. So thank you. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck Larnell. Appreciate you guys for watching, listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcast, Apple, Spotify. There, there's more of us than there are of them. Make sure that's reflected in the comments. And we will... Uh, We'll talk to you again real soon. Until then.
What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, shit. what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.